The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the tears fall down your face and the taste is something new of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who spring blossomed in to me, Josh. How are you doing this evening? Um, good. I just have to look up who that was. Uh, <laughs> after what I was on board with the first part, and then you surprised me with that last part. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's right there, Josh. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, funny note: we, you know, when we we count down when we're you know behind the scenes. Um, about how the podcast is recorded, we always clapped so that I can easily find like and line up our audio, uh, which is old school. There's way other ways to do it, but that's just what we do. And when I clapped tonight, Josh, it was like the worst clap in the history of my entire life. Like I don't know that it is any way. Like when I looked at the wave on my uh, my audio file, it was like nothing happened. So that'll be an adventure for later. <laughs> like I don't know that I've ever clapped that mushy handed in my whole life. I mean, but. I didn't feel great about my clap either, but I mean, uh, hopefully it's, you don't have to look too hard for your clap. Yeah, hopefully not, but uh, and we're recording on a Monday night, which is a little bit different. So, yes. you know, we, we've both been off of a, come off of a full day of work. So we'll see how uh, punchy we are tonight. It might be really good. It might be really bad. We'll have to wait and see. We can uh, also go Josh, for a shorter show too. That wouldn't be the yeah, craziest we'll, we'll thing ever. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, but Josh, uh, this uh, reference, did, did you know it? It seems like maybe not hmm. so much. I didn't know it, but I do now that I know who it is. So, yes, The All-American Rejects, my favorite heart. Are you a fan of The All-American Rejects? Yeah, I would say. Well, yeah, casual fan. Have you heard them lately? Mm, Maybe if they had a single out, but not to my knowledge. I think, oh, goodness, two or three years ago, maybe, I think they released a new album. And I only heard one song off of it, and I did not like it. So I never listened to any more of it. So that could be wrong, but I feel like that's true. Uh, but their more recent stuff is, is not something I have been super, super into. Uh, but again, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm making this all up. Artist. Last album, 2012. That can't be. Is that really what it is? Well, there you go. Oh, 2019, they had a single. Oh. Maybe that's what I'm thinking 2020 of. single also, Me versus oh, the Oh, man, that one I don't know that I've heard. But it just got their stuff. Not that they can't change, but their stuff got like way weird. Um, and because I like their first couple albums quite a bit, actually. Um, their self-titled debut album, I listened to. Oh my gosh! I mean, I was in college at the time, so like constantly, I listened to that album. But yeah, I don't know. I just hadn't heard them in a while, so I threw them on in the background the other day, and I was like, oh man, I'm digging their old stuff. It's really, really good. So that is one one band that I, I thoroughly enjoyed but realized I have not listened to much at all in the last 10 years probably yeah. so 
So, Josh, you know, we got, we got our regular topics and we'll get to all that stuff. And, and we're going to talk about some E3 stuff as well. But Ooh. I want to just, before we get into the show proper, <laughs> I want to get your, your pulse, Josh. Now, we're recording this Monday night. Nintendo goes tomorrow still. 76 still beats have... per minute right now. Okay, good. That's That seems healthy. <laughs> um, nice and calm, relaxed. Um, so, Nintendo goes tomorrow. Yes. And otherwise, for the most part, we've had like all of the major conferences. There's still going to be some stuff that comes out throughout the day. And like some of the companies, Xbox and others, are doing kind of bigger, you know, Nintendo has their treehouse, but others are doing kind of bigger things throughout the week. Uh, obviously, things with E3 were just different this year, but are, are you are you glad it's back? How do you feel <laughs> about, uh, the, about the weekend of conferences and everything? Are you happy that we have E3 back? I think saying the weekend of conferences needs to be held with a grain of salt um because i wouldn't say that well well i think it has never been more clear to me how much covid has affected the gaming industry until now yeah yeah and i think everyone had unrealistic expectations because we I don't think that we had we were being mindful of that going into this because we're all coming out of it. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, things are coming back to normal. Like, uh, so so it'll be video games, right? But like, we're not thinking about the life cycle of game development and also announcements from E three are typically for games usually one year out, sometimes two. Maybe maybe you're lucky and get a few games. They come out the year of the announcements, but like this Unless year. Unless you're Ubisoft and then you just announce games that just never, ever happen. Just, yeah, whenever you want. <laughs> just do what you want, Ubisoft. Uh, but then you have a conference like Ubisoft where you don't see anything new this year, with the exception <sighs> of one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, I mean, it's definitely <laughs> taken its all in the video game industry. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of been my big takeaway, too, is that. Uh, COVID has, has been a challenge for everyone, no doubts, but I, I think especially video games, COVID has really hit them hard as far as development goes. So yeah. we'll talk about that a bit more. I just want to kind of get your pulse on it as we go into that conversation, get ourselves in the kind of the frame of mind that we might be in. But with that, we're just going to kind of transition and get through some housekeeping here. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. With that being said, we do want to give a special shout out to those of you who do support us at a financial tier that has resulted in you getting a nice little verbal audio shutout. So, Michael Masick, Barry Cathcart, Edwin Callow, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Rude Days 93, Ben Moxham, Robbie Manuel, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calico, Grouchy Sergey, Devin Tyus, Josh Borboni, RJ Kern, Zachary Adams, uh, Joseph Wilson, and of course, who could forget, Horse Girl 69. Rose, a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So, Josh, we have a little bit of a change format. Going to have a couple topics each, and then we're going to talk about E3 as a whole at the end here. So, starting off, Josh, what is your first topic? Okay, so we we can 
we sh- should we skip this one of my topics? I feel like if we wait another week to talk about Ratchet and Clank, people are gonna be tuned out. Should we, we talk, talk about, about Ratchet and to, Clank? I know, I know someone else uh, is a little further in it than I am. So if you want to talk about Ratchet and Clank, we can talk about Ratchet and Clank. I am one hundred percent game to do that. I think we should talk about it. I'll let Let's you pick which topic to ha- have it replace. No, you get to pick because I'm biased. You'll know exactly. Yeah, what I'm I know which one. Here. Okay, well, <laughs> so we'll skip this one. I was going to talk about Red Raven's newest game, which is called Nat or Never. If you know near or far, or not near or far, near or far, and yeah. far and away. Is that the? It's not far in two titles, right? Above and below. Okay. Above and below. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> we should talk about Ratchet and Clank because uh, it came out last week. It did. And I know that this was my homework, so I'm kind of like pre-talking Which, it. I would like to point out, you were like, hey, I don't even like action platformers, so That's I think this is bad homework. You well, told I didn't me say it was bad homework. You said you didn't want to do it. Did I say that? I'll have to go back and listen. I don't even sound, <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. Um, but I will, if you want, at the end of the show, I'll allow you to um, give me extra credit homework if you want. Um, oh, okay, okay. So, uh, yes. So Kyle was kind enough to pick up Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, I believe. Rift Apart. I want to say Rift in Time for some reason. Or Rip the Fart. If Rip like the to. Fart. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, call back to a joke. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so we're recording on Monday. Because my son was sick yesterday, and Kyle was kind enough to delay for me. And one of the things that my son has decided he likes to watch is me play Ratchet and Clank. I was like, okay, we can do that while you're not feeling good. And there's some parts where he's like, Daddy, I don't like this. Turn it off. I'm like, I can't turn it off right now, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to happen. Um so yeah, what do I want to say about Ratchet and Clank? First off, uh, I guess I would say, uh, yes, I am not the fondest fan of platformers, mostly because I don't find myself to be very good at them, um, which is always a, a source of frustration for me and probably other gamers. Uh, but I mean, I started gaming on platformers, right? Like I started with Mario. This isn't Mario. Um, no. But what I'll say for me, something that Ratchet and Clank does, uh, is it doesn't make me feel like I'm playing a platformer. It makes me feel like I'm playing a third-person action adventure game. Yes, it is. Which yep. is a very big bonus for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think probably uh, the amount of weapons was a little, uh, at first, overwhelming, and maybe even like ter- a turn-off for me. Because I tend to like focus on like I pick my thing and I stick with it. Yeah, it's like a destiny thing, um, or anything really. So uh, I did find that that changed over time. I did find myself remembering where things were, my weapon wheel, quickly swapping to them. Although I know you can hit like triangle to change your guns, I never did that intentionally. I just always open the wheel. Yeah, you can also assign them four weapons to the D-pad. Yeah, I never. Yeah, I okay. <laughs> I accidentally did that a few times, but I never intentionally did that. Um, what do I want to say? I think we should talk about. Uh, I really enjoy the story, and mm-hmm. I can say that um, not having played any of the other Ratchets uh, and Clank games, there's definitely 
it's very obvious when it's referential, but I think for the most part, you don't need to know the other games um, to get a full enjoyment of the story in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it uh, it does something so well. It integrates the PlayStation Five controller so well that you don't even realize that it's doing it. Um, I was playing at some point over the weekend. My wife was in the room and she could hear like noise coming out of the controller, mm-hmm. which made her like look at me like I had ten heads. And I was like, "Why are you looking at me like that?" She's like, "What's that noise?" And I go, "Oh, it's nothing. It's just the game." Like I wasn't even like I knew it was coming from there, but it was so second nature that it just lent itself to the game. I think the best way I can, the best thing I can compare it to is if people played Astro's Playroom um or Astrobot whatever the one that comes with this Astro's Playroom. Yep, playroom. Right? yep. Um when you do the rain level where you can feel the rain but it's a little bit less it's more pronounced in Astro's Playroom so you understand what it can do. Uh it's more subtle here which I think is actually better for the immersion of the game. I felt very immersed in the game as I played. Um, and I didn't ever want to stop playing if that make, and it probably explains why I beat it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I completed the game yesterday at 92% completion, um, which I didn't expect it to be that high. Uh, but that means I can go back and get things a little bit easier to get to a hundred this time. I remember when I finished Spider-Man, it was like, 60% completion. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I have to go get so many more things. Uh, I can't be sure about... Um, something that the, that Ratchet & Clank does is it lets you pick where you want to go at, at a certain point on the world map or the world's map. And you can go in, in whatever order you want for the most part. I mean, there is still story, but um, I think, and I haven't looked it up, um, but I think if you, I don't want to say this, I don't want to spoil anything, but I think if you do certain things before the end, that could be more beneficial to you than having not done them. I'm trying mm-hmm. to be vague. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, there, there are a limited number of side quests and grinding the side quests out, maybe picking up, going back and picking up all those collectibles or some of the collectibles that you missed yes. might be helpful before finishing the game. There you go. There is one yeah. thing. The second I saw that there was an arena, I got very upset because I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to do this a lot. And I, that's the one thing that I didn't max out because mm-hmm. I was like, I've, I've played this game before. <laughs> this is not <laughs> happening. Sorry. I gave it a, the old college try and then I was like, okay, that's enough. Um, but yes, how far are you, without saying how far you are, and how are you enjoying it? I think I have five planets available to me, but I've only been on four of the five, I believe, Okay, uh, is where I am. Um, I am really enjoying this game. I also really enjoyed the 2016 Ratchet & Clank, uh, which was basically a rework of the first game. I love that game, platinum that game, thought it was great. Uh, and I am similarly impressed with this title. It looks incredible. Uh, what yes. mode are you playing it in? You know, I had a tough time deciding because they gave me one extra option too many. Yeah, because there's three options. Yeah. So I was like, um, so I'm doing performance with rate without no with ray tracing. Whatever the, the performance correct, plus one. That is, is. The, 
that is the correct one. Performance okay. with ray tracing is That's what you what should I'm be doing. playing it on. Yes. But well, I think performance plus is different because I think that performance plus, performance ray tracing, and uh, and fidelity. I'm doing the one that gets me the best of both worlds. Then I have with ray tracing. Okay. Okay. So I think, I but think. <laughs> yeah, there's too many it's options. Confusing. There's too many <laughs> options here. But the game is beautiful. It runs. I have not had. Or I have not noticed any drop frames. I don't know if you have, but it, so it seems like a pretty darn solid locked sixty. Um, the ray tracing is incredible, and it's not just you know you hear when you hear about ray tracing, everybody talks about windows and water, but it is almost everything in certain levels of this game are ray traced. I'm gonna have of, to like, check metal. to see. What's that? I'm gonna have to check to see now if I played it in ray tracing because now I'm second <laughs> yeah. guessing myself. Yeah, I mean it, it. Like everything is just being reflected everywhere, and there the worlds are just so big and dense and so much is going on there and the backgrounds and the skyboxes like this game just looks incredible and luckily plays incredibly well which yes. i knew like you had mentioned that you aren't like a huge fan of platformers but very very little of this game is like platforming yeah you know and so that's kind of why i was like well i think this might still be okay because it does very much play like a third person action adventure game yeah which i love i love third person action adventure games i think they're great i i do enjoy all the weapons like you said it can be it can take a bit of time to kind of get used to everything, but once you start kind of figuring out how things combo together and and how that works, I think it's great. I like the little touches they've put on some of the collectibles and the armor and things like that, where yeah. you get the bonuses just for collecting them. Like you don't have to have the stuff equipped. It's oh, like, is hey, that I got true? These armor pieces. Yeah, it's cl- it's a collection bonus. I thought I had to wear them to get the. Bonus. No, it's a collection bonus. So it just says like it, it even says collection bonus on it that like once you get three of three, like you have collected these things. <laughs> So you can pick one up to look however you want to. Uh, I like Rivet a lot. I think she is very quirky and fun. Uh, I like the relationships between the characters that I've developed for how far I am into the game. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. The story is good. It's not anything super revolutionary. It's not like, oh, blowing my mind. But it's still fun and engaging and enough to kind of keep pulling me along. I'm loving this game. uh, And I I am looking forward to continuing to play it. So, yeah, I think right now for me, um, it is a a home run. I'm really loving Ratchet & Clank. Also, not a single second of loading. <laughs> I know, right? It it's kind of knows. incredible with how good yeah. the game looks and plays that there's... I mean, I'm sure the loading is masked a little bit by some of the um, cutscenes, but like, still, no loading for cutscenes, right. no loading for gameplay. You're just in. Very mm-hmm. impressive. So, yeah, it, it is, a, a, I think, a really special game. And I think... I feel comfortable saying if you have a PlayStation 5, if you're fortunate enough to have one, uh, I think it's a, an easy must-own for me, for sure. So, yeah, 100% agree. Um, I can give you your extra bonus homework right now. Sure. Platinum trophy. Oh, platinum. Oh, boy. I was looking at now, some of the, the ones I haven't thing, done though, yet. The platinum, as far as I know in this, is way easier than the platinum was in the 2016 Ratchet & Clank. Because like, okay. for like the gold bolts, you only have to get like five of the 25. Like you don't have to collect all the gold bolts. There's a whole oh. bunch of the things where that you don't have to do everything to do it. So I think it's totally doable um, for you without ha- being too too problematic. Without looking for gold bolts, like crazily, I think I still finished the game with nineteen to twenty five. Right, exactly. So like I, I think you're gonna be in pretty good shape. I don't think it's gonna be too tough. So that is your bonus. And remember, it's bonus homework. It's extra credit. Extra like, you already credit. have an A. Gold it's, it's extra credit. <laughs> so cool. Anything else about uh, Ratchet and Clank you want to talk about? Uh, if you're like me and we're skeptical, um, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to tell you it works. <laughs> uh, it was. It's yeah. Uh, I I am surprised at how much I enjoyed it, and uh, I actually was thinking about try going back and trying 
the last Ratchet and Clank and seeing if I would enjoy it more now. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. Um, the 2016 one, you're going to see um, some. It's not. It's definitely not as good as it as Rift Apart is. Sure. Uh, I think it's still a fun game, but it definitely is a little more grindy in the fact of like you kind of go back and forth. Like there definitely are clearly things where you're like, ah, oh, I clearly can't get this right now, so I'm going to go get a different, go to a different planet, get a new ability, come back and get this yeah. stuff. Like there's a little bit more of that in it, but it's still fun. It's still a good game, um, and it's still. I thought it looked really good when it came out in 2016, and now looking at this one, I'm like, wow, what an idiot I was. Like, the 2016 <laughs> one looked good, which it still does look really good. Uh, but yeah, it, this whew, this is a visual spectacle uh, Rift Apart is, that's for sure. So. Nice. All right, Josh. So my story is, you know, every once in a while, we get a game that comes out, especially in the board game world, that is just a reskin of a previous game where we take all of the the gameplay mechanics and mechanisms and put it onto a, a new game and say like, hey, look at this cool new game that's here. Well, this is happening and it is being done by Fantasy Flight Games. And I, I don't like the title of this game only because it's a difficult word for me to say, though I think others probably have not a lot of issues. Uh, but that game is Unfathomable, which is yeah, always hard for me to say. <clears throat> um, which is basically a reskin slash resurrection of Battlestar Galactica, the board game, which is a much beloved, much loved board game. So, Josh, number one, I, I have a couple of questions about this I want to ask. Yeah. But my first one is, A, did you ever play the BSG game? What are your thoughts on the BSG game? And as a result of those two things, are you excited slash looking forward to slash interested in Unfathomable? I never played BSG because of how impossibly hard it is to find <laughs> and the, the player count. Um, but I've only heard incredible things about it. It's a game I've always wanted to own as a huge BSG fan. Um, and it'll probably be something I still try to own in the future, even if I don't get to play it. Um, and for this, I mean, I love the world of Arkham Horror or Cthulhu or Lovecraft, however you want to spin that. So uh, this is also uh, super cool and interesting, and I would love to get it if it wasn't $80 or three to six players, you know? Um, this was something that I was my friend texted me um, when he saw that it came out out of, I'm assuming, excitement as well. And I'm like, yep, I'm, I, I'm excited about it. I kind of want to get it. Uh, I think I just need to live in a world where when we have the opportunity to play a big board game, it's not always Gloomhaven because like that's kind of where we are now. So three to six player games are not great because if we have four or three people, we're playing Gloomhaven. <laughs> uh, and I don't know when that's going to change, but obviously we'll be in situations where we have groups, but then that's usually seven people. <laughs> so... <laughs> It, it never shakes out to be within that three to six players. How about you? Where, where's your interest on this one? Minus the title. That's, I can't decide. I, I A lot of what you said resonates with me. That I never played Battlestar Galactica, the board game, because it was a three to six player game. And it's just so hard to get those three player games to the table. And listener, if you're not familiar, Battlestar Galactica, the board game is a is a much loved game, uh, a game that people think incredible things about, uh, but has been out of print for some time. Um, and, you know, just looking up here really quick on Amazon, uh, if you want to get a version of it that is like new for the BSG board game, 
The like new version is three hundred twenty nine ninety nine. So if that tells you how tough it is to get this game, uh, I, you know, <laughs> it, it it's not surprising to me that this is being reprinted. I my assumption is that Fantasy Flight no longer has the license, uh, and that's why we're getting a reskin into you know. Or even if they do have the license, maybe they just don't want to pay to have to use it anymore. So that's why we're getting into, you know, Cthulhu, which is open. Like, anyone can use Cthulhu stuff. Like, you don't have to, nobody owns the rights to that. Um, but it's cool, because right? Because you have some people who are the Cylons in the BSG game and others who are humans. So it's trying to figure out, you know, who is who and, and who's that hidden traitor, which is a mechanic. I absolutely love in games, but requires, you know, more than two people uh, to make that happen. So... I, I'm not a huge fan of the Arkham universe as a whole. Like the Arkham mythos and mythos, whatever you want to call it, doesn't do that much for me. I think the monsters are kind of cool, but I also don't know a ton about them. Like I've never read any of the books. I don't really get into, you know, which monster is which and who is who, like other than Cthulhu. Like I don't know the names of basically any of them. Hmm. So I I don't know. This is actually kind of disappointing to me that this is the theme they're going with it because I think it'll be very hard for me to convince my partner or others yeah. to play this game with me. And like you said, the $80 price tag, not that Fantasy Flight games don't typically deliver based on their production values. They do. But this is, this is just a lot for me to sink into a game that I, I just don't know if I'll ever get to play. Ha, sink. Get it? Sink. <laughs> Sinking ship. So... So yeah, like I, I think it's cool that it's coming back because it is so loved. I just I really wish the theme was something different. So yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. They can't all be winners. They can't. And like I said, I, I have a I have a feeling that the quality of the game is probably very very good. Um, it just is not going to be a game for me. I don't think, which is a bit disappointing. But you know, it is what it is. So I guess this kind of answered my next question. Well, maybe you you talked you addressed in some ways my next question for you. Would you prefer, though, to play this as a Arkham Universe game, or would you prefer to play it as BSG? No, I mean, I'd prefer to play it as Battlestar, for sure. Yeah, um, but that's, you know, I don't, I don't know that either theme is easy to get people into playing it if they aren't into that theme. True. It's not like a universal theme either way. Yeah, I agree there. All right, that is it for my topic one. Josh, what is your topic two? Okay, so while we didn't get a BlizzCon this year, it doesn't we mean... Had, we had BlizzCon online in February. BlizzCon line. Was it earlier this year or next year? It was. Well, they had one in February that was kind of like a holdover because they're not going to do one this okay. winter. But yeah, there was one in February. Oh, fine. Correct me if <laughs> you will. We didn't have one. <laughs> we didn't get BlizzCon like we know it this year. There you go. That's true. <laughs> and we didn't get Overwatch news really at all. But now we have news of Overwatch. And this is coming from Eurogamer.net. Uh, we are getting crossplay in Overwatch. Not only crossplay, but Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. However, there is no cross-progression at launch. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that you can play on the console you prefer with other people who are on their preferred consoles. Um, I think people talk about no cross-progression as being a bad thing, but I think that's like almost like a one-percenter problem. 
Mm. Someone's like, oh, I have everything. And I want to play it on anything whenever I want. Like, I get, like, maybe you have a Switch and you want to make it portable and you want to bring your PlayStation content with you. I get that. But I also think, mm. well, why is Overwatch doing full crossplay now? It's to get more players to play, right? Right. And I do think in some games, cross progression matters way more than it matters in Overwatch. Because yeah. literally, it's like, which skin are you going to use for your character? That's it. There's no right. weapons. There's no character. There's no nothing special that you're going to unlock one place that you don't have unlocked another other than cos- purely cosmetic stuff. So I can understand. We all have the skins that we like. We all have the cosmetics we want to use. We have the emotes and all that stuff we want. But it's not like you're going to suddenly lose access to characters or weapons or anything like that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, another big problem that people talk about with games like this is a PC has unfair advantage, so they say. Um, they have addressed that with the, with the matchmaking. Um, also, crossplay is enabled by default on the Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch, but cross uh, console players can opt out of that feature if they prefer. Uh, crossplay cannot be disabled on PC, however, which I think is fun in an interesting way because it's like the opposite problem. Like PC gamers aren't complaining that they're playing someone on the Switch. They're actually probably doing better. <laughs> so they're like, you can't disable crossplay. But that Switch can be like, no, thank you. <laughs> well, and it's important to know how they're going to run crossplay too. Because, yeah. you know, if I am playing on a console and I'm only playing with console players, I will only be matched, even if I have crossplay on, with other console players. Yes. But if I party up with a PC player, then we will be matched with PC players. Mm-hmm. Only PC players. Oh, really? So, I didn't see well, that uh, well, I should say only PC players or other groups of mixed console and PC. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, so that's why PC can't shut it off because PC will never play just a console person on their own. They will only ever play mixed groups of people who are both console and PC or gotcha. other PC players. Oh, and I do, and I I do see that you can't do mixed groups in competitive play, which I think that's that's good. That's smart too. That'll alleviate some more of those complaints. So, uh, how as a Overwatch player, as even though I have played Overwatch, you're clearly the Overwatch player here. Uh, what does this mean for you? Does this affect how you play? Happy, sad, indifferent? What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I think it's a good thing, and most of this, I believe, is laying the groundwork for Overwatch 2. I, mm-hmm. I believe many of the changes they've been doing to Overwatch um, are in preparation for what we are going to see with Overwatch 2. And that's why I, I'm guessing the cross-progression stuff will not be live until probably Overwatch 2 happens, because I assume they're going to go to a Battle Pass format. Because Overwatch is still one of the games. It still has loot boxes. Like yeah. That is still what they do. Um, again... Fully cosmetic only. Like they're, they're, that's all that's in those things. You can't buy. There's no way to buy characters. Like they're all just in free and included to the game. All the maps are there. Everything's just part of the game, other than those loot boxes for cosmetic things only. So uh, that's my anticipation. Is that th- this is laying the groundwork overall? I think this is a good thing. I think they're with how they have uh, laid it out for matchmaking. I think makes sense and is completely reasonable. Uh, I do think that the Switch players are probably going to get pwned pretty hard. Um, just if you look at, and I know that competitive, there's not, they're not doing competitive, but if you look at the overall rankings of players on switch versus the overall rankings of players on Xbox and PlayStation, it's really not even close, um, on the skill (laughs) or the highest level skill people. So I would assume that the whole thing is pretty similar as far as going down goes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. It, it, It's a game that 
I have never really had a lot of issues with matchmaking times, mostly because I'm not very good at it. So I play with a lot of the other average people, and there's a lot of average people who play this game. But I think for the higher level players, this is going to be helpful to them to get those matches um, popping a little bit quicker. Uh, and, you know, it's nice that if I have a friend, you know, if Josh wants to play on his fancy Series X and I want to play on my PlayStation 5, like we can do that and we can just play some Overwatch and it's not a big deal. So I think this is all good news. Uh, and like I said, well, I'll be really interested to see, though, once we get to Overwatch 2, um, if this crossplay stays the exact same way that it is and how they're going to work on cross progression at that point. Because I do think when that game is introduced, especially if it goes the Battle Pass route, people will be upset about. Um, not being able to carry their stuff with them. And the other thing that you do have to do um, is you have to connect your console account to a Blizzard account. Because right now, hmm. to play Overwatch, you don't technically need to have uh, an account with Blizzard. Uh, you can link it if you want to, and mine are linked, because that's how you get a lot of the rewards. That's how you can get stuff from watching the Overwatch League and all that good stuff, because um, you can get um, tokens and all that good stuff for just watching the Overwatch League. But you don't technically have to have a BlizzNet account, um, and now you will have to um, in order to do crossplay. So that is something that's important to note if you don't have one of those and want to do that. Anything else, Josh, about Overwatch and crossplay? No, I like I like it. I know that this turn quickly devolves into a hot button conversation in our Discord uh, about crossplay. Uh, <laughs> And Sony, of course, uh, but uh, I'm here for more crossplay, regardless of gaming politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think crossplay is a good thing. Uh, I, I do think that ideally all games should have it, uh, but, you know, c- companies want to make their money. So yep. I hear you. But all right. So, Josh, I audibled. I don't know if you ever read the show notes. I earlier, just but saw the- you. I was like, wait a second. This was not the topic earlier. <laughs> no, this is not the topic. I've audibled the topic because I think this is important to do because, you know, Josh, we spend a lot of time and we harp on Kickstarters, on shipping costs and, you know, on studios like Golden Bell. We've we've. I know, you know this is your big defense piece for Golden Bell. <laughs> no, this is not my big defense piece for Golden Bell. I This is me saying that we have taken many companies to task on this podcast over shipping costs, shipping policy, asking for backers for more money from successfully funded Kickstarters, yes. etc. So when someone who is more knowledgeable than we are brings up valid points that are potentially a rebuttal to what we have said, I think it's only fair that we list the that we yeah. shout from the rooftop. Well, I mean, not shout from the rooftops, but bring up the fact that uh, there are some challenges that maybe we're not aware of. So Patrick Leader who is the founder and owner of Leader Games, um, based in the Twin Cities, actually in St. Paul, um, and maker of such fine games as Root and Crystal Caverns. And I actually just got my my copy of Oath this week, nice. um, their newest game, and the, and Fort. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Leader Games, and I do try to support them because they are, you know, from Minnesota, where I was bo- from. Um, and they, they are seem to be a very positive company doing things in the quote-unquote right way. Uh, but Patrick went to uh, Leader's Facebook and wrote a brief post saying, quote, I'm writing this on behalf of the smaller publishers out there. Recently, prices to ship from factory to depot, typically a shipping container or part of a container on the ocean, have skyrocketed. We are looking at 300 to 600% increases. There's no way any of us could have budgeted for this. We were fortunate we could absorb the loss and continue shipping at a great cost. Some smaller publishers may have decided to wait out the price hike, which is a reasonable assumption. COVID-19 
is be driving a lot of okay <laughs> is be driving a lot of the price increase and as things smooth out again we should see a drop in prices please please be patient with smaller publishers they're having to make some hard decisions right now your game will still arrive at some point and punishing them for it now is not going to help i can assure you they're already punishing themselves so josh 300 to 600 percent <laughs> increases yeah. now we have heard that shipping global shipping right now is an absolute mess um but josh a is this is this worse than you assumed it was be and what do you think of patrick's post yeah i mean 300 to 600 percent of anything is bad in an increase <laughs> unless it's like my stock that i have right <laughs> like in a company, hopefully goodness gracious unless it's for my bitcoin I mean, my Dogecoin. Sorry. Let's be realistic. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this is crazy. Um, what was your second question? <laughs> oh, <laughs> what, do you th- what, what do you just think of Patrick coming out and saying this in this post as a whole? Um, I mean, it's. I think he's probably sick of hearing people bash people over this, right? And um, I, th- I can only imagine... That is a 98% from Kickstarter complaints. Because like I can go yeah. buy a game on Plan B's website and get shipping for 9 bucks, and I don't know where it's coming from, you know? Mm-hmm. I just know that that's a shipping price for my allocation. And that's an immediate, we know how much shipping costs, we'll charge you now, this is what we'll pay. And I think this is more addressing the, uh, you back a project now and it doesn't ship for a year so maybe the thing you bought a year ago is now going to cost them more. But the problem with the Kickstarter is you typically pay shipping on a backer kit, which comes out, I don't know, anywhere from three to six months after the close of a Kickstarter, but anywhere between nine to 12 months before the product ships. So you're you're kind of in that in-between period where they have to guesstimate shipping costs and you can't plan for a pandemic or uh, a sideways cargo container blocking a canal. Um, (laughs) You can't plan for those things. So I don't know. Like, he's not coming forward with an excuse, and he's also not coming forward with an answer. He's just kind of saying, like, this is what's happening. And don't be dicks to these people because they're already in enough of a tough time that they don't need you piling on. And I agree with that. Um, and I was joking about the golden bell thing because if it was just this one time, then that would be a different thing. Golden bells, an exception to this. Um, but yeah, this thinks for everybody. Um, and we kind of were worried about the tariffs like a year ago with board games as well. So they haven't had it easy, uh, as far as companies or consumers go for, for shipping and board games. So kind of piggybacking off of this um isaac uh in one of the recent Frosthaven kickstarter updates posted a bit about shipping as well um and isaac said quote but this is where i circle back to around to freight shipping freight shipping around the world no matter the industry is in crisis right now if you back other games or projects on kickstarters this might not be news to you but we are witnessing historically low availability of containers and congestion at ports and rail that are causing massive delays This is admittedly making us a bit nervous because at the end of the day, we'll need a minimum of 150 containers to fulfill this project. 
That is a lot of containers. That was him saying that, not me, but I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if things keep moving at the current pace, it could significantly drag out our freight shipping timeline by an amount of time that we can't even estimate. Yeah. Of course, we have some time before the process begins, so we're hoping things improve. While at the same time exploring as many different freight options as we can to secure container space and have the best options moving forward if these problems persist. At this point, though, it would be irresponsible of me not to tell you that there's a chance that the global shipping crisis could delay fulfillment significantly. 150 <clears throat> containers, Josh, Yeah, that game. That's a lot of containers. I mean, each box weighs... He said it's bigger than Gloomhaven, so they got to be over twenty pounds. over twenty one pounds. Yeah, so twenty five pounds a box, maybe. Like, and how many did he sell? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I, honestly, selfishly, I'm okay with it being delayed because I don't want to keep playing Gloomhaven while I have the upgraded, newer version of it sitting in my house waiting to be opened. <laughs> right. So it'll be nice to get more time in Gloomhaven. Okay, Josh. So my final question for you then is. Do we do we owe anyone an apology? Uh, we don't. No. Okay. We don't. But there definitely are people. If anything, our criticisms and complaints have been um, the tamest little mouse squeak <laughs> in the world compared to the internet. So there are some people who should probably apologize to people. We're not. We're not two of those people though. Excellent, excellent to hear. Well, I'm glad we don't have to apologize for anything because that'd be that that make me sad. Not that I wouldn't be willing to do it. I apologize all the time, but I was like, man, I don't think we were too big of jerks about it. But no, I think well, we were pretty you know, level headed about it, and we only yeah. focused on Golden Bell. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing I'm worried about, and I shouldn't even say worried. The thing this made me think about though was like if Frosthaven, obviously a much much bigger project, but then, um, oh shoot, Josh, the other game we backed, Foundations uh, of Rome. Foundations of Rome. Which is also supposed to be shipping sometime this summer. Slash, I think they pushed it back to August now. Like, are we even going to get that game? Because that game, while it did not have as many backers, that thing is huge. That game was massively big. Like, think, is that game showing up this year still? I think Kickstarter pre-bakes it into my mind that I'm not in a rush to get my game. I think, oh, I agree. I, I, I like, agree. there's certainly games I'm looking forward to. And I do, I think... So we we talk about Golden Bell because we have firsthand experience with them. My yep. frustration with Unbroken isn't that the game was delayed. It was everything else. It was them asking me to pay more money to get the game I paid money for. It was them saying they shipped it to me and me never getting it. It was them having a different backer send me his personal game from his own house. Like, <laughs> addressed to my house it was all of the other problems where it was like more of a am i going to get what i paid for not when am i going to get what i paid for so i think for me at least personally i'm okay waiting until these games can get shipped i don't mind the wait because we're already waiting at typically a year on average plus for a game we buy um it's an investment so you know, I'm okay with that as long as, honestly, every game I kickstarted, I would prefer they waited until it's more financially secure for them to ship. So if they had to wait a year, another year, I would rather them do that so they can be successful. I don't want people to lose money. I want people to be successful. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Battlestar BSG is now back in the hotness because of Unfathomable, by the way. Oh, I have no doubt that it is because Unfathomable is number one and BSG is like down at like number eight, nine, or ten. Uh, I did it again. You know what I just did again? I shook. What'd you do? 
I shook my mouse and it closed my window again. <laughs> it's Windows 10 problems. Oh, Windows 10. I guess I yeah. just don't shake my mouse that much. Well, I was highlighting over your window I have over here, and just by default, as I'm, I just move it around while I was reading the hotness. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, Josh, should we move on to our final joint topic then? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, as we talked a little bit about at the top of the show, uh, E3 is in full swing. Tomorrow morning, we'll have, when this po- podcast releases, we'll have Nintendo's show. But other than that, Pretty much at this point, everyone has gone, done their E3 presentation um, or their summer game fest presentation, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, so I, we thought it would take me some time to, rather than go through all of the shows, talk about like five things that we liked or five hmm. of our favorite announcements. Now, I'm going to audible this a little bit again. Look at this. Another another audible in the show. I'm going to just talk about five takeaways, Josh. Okay. Some of these are about games I really liked. Other things are about just things that I have been thinking about after watching some of the E3 uh, pressers yeah. slash presentations. Now, with before we start into this, Josh, what have you actually watched? Because there's a ton of like different, unique, quirky things that are kind of yeah. part of the schedule. Like, What are the things you've actually watched for E3 slash Summer Game Fest slash whatever you want to call it? I watched the Battlefield reveal. I watched um, the... I guess you would call it Summer Games Fest Day One mm-hmm. or whatever that was. I watched the Game Pass press conference. I watched <laughs> Ubisoft, Square. Um, hold on, I should pull up the PSVG thing so I know what else was there. Um, I mean, we talked about last week. I did watch the Gorilla Collective yep. thing. Um. I watched Gearbox. I didn't watch Devolver Digital because uh, I just I, my I was with my son and it was not something I knew I couldn't watch that with my son around. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think that's everything. Yeah. Ubisoft, Square, Gearbox, Game Pass. Um. I didn't watch a piece of gaming show which I usually watch, but I think it was just on, also on at a bad time. What about you? What did you watch? Uh, so you watched more than I did because I watched uh the Summer Games Fest. Uh, Keeley's stream. Keeley's fest, yeah. Keeley fest. Uh, I watched Ubisoft. I watched uh Xbox slash Bethesda, and I watched Square, and that is all I have watched. Mm. So, with that information, Josh, what is your first takeaway, favorite announcement, whatever you want to call it, however you want to look at it? What's the first thing you want to talk about related to E three? Oh well, it's not Elden Ring. <laughs> Are you is that is that going to be on your list at all? No, okay. No. Um, Me either. We can talk about it, but it's not going to be on my list at all. I pulled up, so I pulled up the um, summer games list thing because I had completely f- just blanked on everything that was revealed. Um, we saw a lot of stuff. I don't know that we, we saw a lot of content. Um, we just saw kind of like I'm curious about. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt. Like, I'm curious what kind of game that's going to be when they traditionally make RPGs. Um, and I think, you know what? I think I'll start with, um, because this has changed considerably. I think I want to start with Halo Infinite. Oh, okay. Um, because watching the, the Xbox conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't show any campaign. They showed like a cinematic, 
which yep. is I don't count because that might, the way things work, it, couldn't, it might not even be in the full game. <laughs> right. Josh, I would just like to point out that I appreciate your consistency in that. It doesn't matter who it is. You're like, I just don't count that. I appreciate that you are always consistent about that. I am always. You got to prove to me <laughs> that what I'm seeing is what I'm going to play. I've been burned one too many times. Uh, and then we saw, so they did the announcement, right? Uh, Halo Infinite multiplayer is going to be free to play, um, which is huge. And actually, yep. I don't think I grasped how big it was. Until I listened to, until I watched Sean Capri's um, Twitch stream today, mm-hmm. where he was talking about it, and they were watching the Halo Infinite multiplayer reveal was today, kind of, sorta. I mean, it wasn't the reveal, but it was the deep dive. Uh, but at the Xbox press conference, they showed Halo Infinite multiplayer, and I couldn't have been more disappointed. It looked bad. It looked bland. The levels were literally white and brown. And it, it really didn't really, it didn't show too much until they showed the Spartan with the samurai armor. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. But is it cool because it's the coolest thing I've seen? Or is it cool because it's cool? Uh, but that being said, I watched IGN Summerfest today for most of the day at work. Uh, and... <laughs> They, I watched the deep dive into Halo Infinite, and it couldn't have been more different than what we saw. It was beautiful. It was colorful. It showed off all this customization. It showed so much of these changes it made. I don't understand why they didn't use any footage from what I saw today, yesterday. Right. Nothing made me excited about it. Yesterday, today, I was all on board. Super excited. They've changed so much. You have your own customizable AI per Spartan. You can customize limbs, different colors from your regular body. Uh, there's just so much more to it. Um, I don't get it. So uh, I think, and I'm going to compare this to Battlefield because that was something else I watched. Halo Infinite is going free to play. Battlefield is charging you $70 to play a multiplayer-only game, and they're going to probably release around the same time. I understand Battlefield has this diehard um, following, kind of like Rainbow Six Siege does. I don't understand how you're trying to get new players in a world where Call of Duty Warzone is free, Apex Legends is free, Fortnite is free, now Halo Infinite is free. I don't understand how you expand your player base. Um, so I'll give a praise to Halo Infinite and criticism to Halo Infinite and criticism to Battlefield. <laughs> gotcha. So I always have to be measured in my comments when it comes to things like Halo because I always come off as a PlayStation fanboy. Um, and before I say anything, let me say that I thought Xbox had a really good conference. Like it was, they, they did a nice job. Um, it, it was really well done. But, and I say that, but it was specifically about Halo. Yeah. Its placement in the show to me, to me, said a lot. Yes, I right? agree. I agree with you. That, like, we're going to show you pretty cool stuff at the beginning that people are highly anticipating, some surprises and cool stuff at the end that people are highly anticipating, and we're just going to slide this game in here that is theoretically our biggest franchise, but, yeah. Josh, I'm going to argue I don't think it is anymore. 
I don't think Halo is the most important franchise or the biggest franchise to them anymore. And I think uh, that franchise that they consider to be most important is probably somewhere later on your list or elsewhere on your list yeah, that you want to sure, talk about. For sure. um, and I, I don't mean that that's bad. I, I don't, I'm not saying that this game is going to ba- be bad or that anything, but I agree with you. I caught a small chunk of what they showed today while I was eating lunch. And I was like, this looked way better than what they showed during the conference. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, why what's going on here. Like, I don't understand for some reason when showing halo, they have just tripped like, and everything else they're doing so well. But with Halo, they just have these small missteps. That's like, what's going on? Because yeah. today's stuff seemed cool. But yesterday's stuff, I was like, I feel like you have no confidence in this game. And that's why you're putting it where you are. Yeah. And not showing us like. So, yeah, I, I think it's. Do you think it's still going to come out this year? You know, if it doesn't, they, they're going to have some problem. Well, that's why they put holiday, right? So they're giving themselves a window to put out in February. Mm-hmm. Um. I probably would be less surprised if they decided to do to drop Halo Infinite multiplayer in November. Yeah, and make the campaign come out in February. Yeah, that and they, I mean they've said they're not going to do that. But I know, I know, but they, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Craig, and, yeah, right. And like I said, I'm not trying to knock on it. I'm definitely going to try it. Like I'm going to try the. I'll play the campaign. I mean, I have Game Pass, so I'm going to give it a shot. I just feel like they're not even confident in it right now is really what I felt like after that showing. Yeah, I think I 100% agree with you with the fact when they showed Halo made me worried because of the timing they showed it and that they didn't show any gameplay. And it's it's worse because they did show gameplay and they didn't come out to show that they made it better. Right. They showed gameplay last year and instead of addressing the 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 critics they just were like no we're not showing it this time like like show it if you like because you know what if you don't have it right the internet's gonna let you know and then just go back but now you're not getting any feedback of what your campaign looks like so now you don't even know if you're making it better because because last year someone thought what they were putting out looked good so is that the same person looking at it now yeah because that could be bad Yeah, like I said, I hope this game succeeds. I've always had a soft spot for Halo. I played, I mean, more Halo three than hours than I can even shake yeah. a stick at. Like, I, I <laughs> it's always had a soft spot in my heart. Um, and like I said, I'll definitely play this. It's just a matter of, um, what the prior like how high up on the priority list is it going to be? Because we got a few more games announced for or quote unquote with fall dates than I anticipated we would. Yes. So, but I do agree with the COVID stuff. Okay. Uh, anything else about Halo? Uh, no. No. Okay. My next, my first, my first takeaway is a game related one, and it's a very small one, but it's something that to me I'm really excited about. Uh, so, as you may know, Josh, one of my favorite games of last year was this little small uh, independent game called Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you may not know this, Josh, but uh, we now own the DLC. I um, do know this season pass uh, for that game. I was gonna come uh, down on you about farming together too but i figured i would wait on that criti- i uh, would wait on that burn <laughs> excuse me uh i was playing that with my partner and we were having a fantastic time playing it yeah i'm sure uh, it must be better than ratchet and clank because you were playing that instead <laughs> no it's because she wanted to play a game together so i said okay well let's play this one then so uh, what's what's that like is that nice that having your wife want to play games at you <laughs> well it was funny because we had talked about potentially playing uh it takes two but then i was like well josh and i started a game and i don't think you can have multiple saves and i don't want to like mess up where you and i were well if you so, want to play that with your wife you should but also we should probably make time we should probably f- make time finish to play that, that game because <laughs> it was fun but anyway uh so lots of rumors have been coming out there's been lots of leaks about um the future of assassin's creed where they're going next kind of what the plan is but the big thing they came during ubisoft is they came out and said hey for the first time ever we're going to do a second 
year of additional content for Assassin's Creed. Um, and because of how much how much I like AC Valhalla, uh, I'm all for it. I'm really excited about that. I've really enjoyed my time with Eivor and the time I've put into that character in that world. Uh, and I have downloaded Wrath of the Druids. I haven't played it yet because I'm going to finish Ratchet and Clank and then go play this. But I'm all for it. I really like the fact that they are being like, hey, here's just a little bit more that you can play in this world. Um, and I'm a big fan uh, of this process and, the, and this plan that they're going with uh, for Assassin's Creed that we don't necessarily need another big release, but we're just going to get a little more fun content for a game I already really like. So very simple one, but that for me, something I was really excited about. Um, what was next for you, Josh, related to E3 you want to chat about? When you talk about that, it makes me think I listened to the How Did This Get Played podcast and Heather Ann Campbell, this was her first Assassin's Creed. And uh-huh. the episode I listened to today, she just finished the story and max leveled her character, including the max level from the DLC. Dang. And how much of us, like she put like 150 hours into the game to get there. And she's like, what even is 400 level 420 or whatever she's at? Um, and now when you say that they added a season two, I just picture her screaming at the top of her lungs. <laughs> Why? <laughs> she doesn't have to play it. I know. No, she does. I think she does. Uh, she loves it, but hates it at the same time. Um, I think uh, I'll circle back to Xbox. Um, but I think the second thing I would talk about that's really stuck out to me, which I had apparently people knew about this and I had no clue that it existed is the um, Square Enix uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game. Mm, uh, yeah. I, uh, with um, uh, the Montreal studio, right? Um, who's yep. Montreal studio? Eidos, Eidos Montreal. Eidos, thank you. Um, I didn't know that this existed. I feel like I probably heard about it and just forgot it, though, because it seems familiar to me. Uh, I like... Well, so I will agree with most of the internet. They showed way too much. Yeah, that was um, long. It was just a long thing. Like It reminded me of those old Xbox inside Xbox things where they're just showing you 25 minutes of a game that you don't want to watch. Or, you, <laughs> or it's spoiling it for you. Um, but... What I saw was a game that's using the uh, Marvel Avengers engine or something very, very, very similar to it. Uh, Something that I like that I think most of the internet doesn't like, I like that they're using different likenesses of Marvel characters. I live in a world where comic books, um, the heroes always look different. They have different runs. Captain America's looked looks so different sometimes it's just kind of something that i've like been able to uh associate a different character so now i can have my chris pratt star lord and i can have whoever this voice actor is going to be star lord um and people keep saying troy baker but i think they just think he looks like him i don't think it's actually a troy baker um what i love the look of all the guardians in fact a lot of the guardians look like spot on to their car their comic book counterparts instead of the marvel ones like the cinematic universe i like that it's single player and i like that you control your teammates through like a d-pad style attack it reminds me of mass effect actually where you're controlling your squad uh the story looked very good i really liked the they kept the humor in there i saw somewhere today has like 30 different music tracks which means they're sticking to that great like soundtrack that james gunn really like picked out for his movies that's probably not going to be as good as his choices or it's just going to be all the songs he's already used um 
but that looks that looks really cool. I like that their the dialogue wheel gives you a lot of different options as far as narrative goes. I'm curious how much that really affects the game. And one of the biggest complaints people have is about these cubes, and they're like, "This is stupid. He's fighting cubes. They're not being." Really, I'm like, this is something that happens in Marvel. Like, there are gelatinous cubes. You ever play D and D? Like, I had no problem with that. In fact, I thought it was hilariously perfect for Guardians of the Galaxy. Everything in that trailer really screamed uh, the Guardians that I know and love. So I'm very excited for that game. Very excited to play it. So this was actually also the next one that was on my list. So I'm oh, just nice. gonna piggyback here. Yeah. Um, one, uh, do you ever go to BehindTheVoiceActors.com? No, but I'm going to bookmark it now because that sounds fascinating. So it is a basically an IMDb, but it's all about just voice actors and, and all the different mediums. Um, and number one trending on the video game one uh, is Guardians of the Galaxy. And a whole bunch of question marks because they don't have any ah. people listed as far as who it is. But everybody wants to know, especially people want to know who plays Cosmo the Space Dog. But yes. <laughs> this game I knew existed. Um, uh, but and I, this is obviously one of those things that everyone else has said too. But I just happen to agree with that. I I wish this is what Marvel's Adventures had been. Yes, I agree. You know, and, and it was just this single player story campaign where you go through and it looks like a cool third person action game which is what i love i love third person action games the fact that this game is theoretically coming out october 26th is pretty yeah. exciting you know so one of those this year games this, uh, this fall game that was kind of a surprise i didn't think it was going to be this soon i will go on the record and saying i i don't know that i thought the game looked that good not from the huh. not from the oh i didn't like the way the characters looked, but i thought, felt like the animations weren't amazing Sure. of like it looked it felt it looked very stiff to me um when just moving around and being star lord and in combat but i do think it's nice that they have all of those abilities of calling in the other guardians to help you with attacks and it looks like you can combo them together to do think cool things like it, it's fun and exciting the idea of having the the dialogue that you can kind of pick what dialogue you want to do i thought was really cool but then apparently the end of the game is the end of the game no matter what like there's no disparate endings at all that happen yeah so i i wonder if there are different ways to get there and other exciting things happen or not really that would be something i'd like to know a little bit more know a little bit more about but uh despite all that i'm still interested in this game it's still something i i, I think i want to play um just really surprised i am how confident are you this is coming out this year uh i think they already have the engine right so that's just uh in fact i would even go so far to ex- uh, uh think they probably planned a Guardians uh, DLC for Avengers, and yeah. someone was like, "No, no, 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 no. We we should not do that because we have we have we're so behind." Yeah. Um. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I really feel like they got the engine. I think that that's a solid date. Uh. So I really think that we're we're gonna see that at the date that they put down. Yeah. No, I agree. So that is definitely one I'm excited about too. Like I said, I knew the game existed, but still exciting to see kind of the direction they're taking. It's definitely the direction I want that game to go. So I can forgive a little bit of the things that I, that my quibbles with it. And I agree, they showed it too long. Uh, I didn't care about the fact that they were fighting gelatinous cubes, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah. So my other one that I'll just plug in here real briefly to be like, oh, here's my like substitute. Yeah. Uh, is a game that I didn't know I want got announced. And it's not even a game genre that I typically like. And that's the Sim game. Uh, but because of my job and my profession, I guess I'm going to have to play oh. two point campus. <laughs> two point campus. <laughs> so, 
I guess Josh can make fun of me that for fun of me for that when that comes out. But uh, I guess I'm probably be playing <laughs> that game. So I always joke about how I could run, you know, a campus real, real well. So I guess we'll see if I can in video game form at least. So let's go. But anyway, what's your next one then, Josh? All right, so I'm going to focus on something that people I I think didn't really pay attention to, and that was Netflix's Geek Week. Yeah, because I watched nothing about it. Which I thought was really funny because I was watching it with my wife, and I'm like, you know what's every day not like I don't know if Netflix has like access to my personal uh, history, web history, but first off, it has hosted by Rahul Kali and um, Mari Takahashi, two people I follow. And very familiar with content wise. And then like the first day, um uh they have guests where like Trisha Hirschberger was one of them, someone else I follow very closely, and then Erica Ishii. Like everyone they've been talking to are people like in my geek circle that I follow. So it was cool to see that. Um every day they focus on a different, mostly on a different theme. Friday was video games. Um, but I did want to quickly highlight a few things that I that I saw. I've never watched Cowboy Bebop, the anime. I've heard it's very loved, beloved. They did a really quick um, thing for Cowboy Bebop where they showed that the original composer is back, but they also gave us a look at the live-action actors. And I didn't know John Cho was playing the main character, but I thought that the music sounded really cool. The actors looked great. We saw some behind the scenes on uh, the Sandman series, which looks like it's going to be incredible. Um, we saw Black Summer season two, which made me think, why am I not watching Black Summer season one, which is a zombie, like at the start of a zombie apocalypse show with um, um, Jamie King, who I love. Uh, I'm trying to go. Th- they kind of focus on Stranger Things. This is a weird mix with a smite which i didn't love but i mean that's not for me so that's fine uh they did announce that they brought in the girl who played anne of green gables because they were the duffer brothers were fans of her she's a new cast member for the new season of stranger things uh there was a we saw the first look at masters of the universe kevin smith's masters written masters of the universe show which not only looks great but they made orko actually helpful he looks like <laughs> badass he looks so cool um we got a look at uh zack snyder's doing an anime called twilight of the gods which has an incredible um uh cast for voice actors we didn't see any footage though um and we saw that transformers war for cybertron is moving to beast wars for its final season which is super exciting if you're an OG Beast Wars fan um, like me, we saw a really cool scene from the new Godzilla singular point anime, which comes out th- this month. Um, we saw some Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, uh, which is still, you know, it's CG, so the voice sync isn't going to wear great for American. So probably best to watch it in Japanese. Uh, we saw their tease photo of the new Resident Evil series. Live action. We saw the uh, what I thought looked great, Arcane, which is the League of Legends series. That's animated. It looks incredible. We saw that Wayne Brady is playing King Dice in the Cuphead TV series, which seems perfect. Yeah. Um, We saw the finale to the Castlevania 
anime, but also the announcement that they're coming back with a new series starring Richter Belmont, which has a lot of people excited. And then we learned Ubisoft is jumping into the anime game where we're not only getting, because apparently Ubisoft doesn't think Sam Fisher belongs in video games anymore, or or at least his own. We're getting a Tom Clancy Splinter Cell anime. We're getting a Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix anime. That's out of Far Cry. And a Far Cry anime, which they didn't say where, like how, what it's taking place Far Cry wise. Um, But I thought that was also exciting. For fans of The Witcher, we saw a tease at Siri for season two. I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong. Um, But I actually thought every day, the first half an hour of Geek Week was all content, new content. And then they did about an hour of like interviews afterwards. And that was the part I really tuned out off of. But I really think that they did a really good job putting out content for most of these things we're going to see this year. Um, and then having Jeff Keighley on Friday to do all the video game stuff, um, which was cool to see as well. So that's my number three, I think, we're on. <laughs> yeah, that was number three. That was three. That was good. I didn't watch any of that, but I heard good things about it. It sounds like there's a lot of fun, or at least at the very least, interesting content potentially yeah. coming uh, related to video games. So that's cool. Uh, my number three thing is the last specific game related thing. Hmm. Um, and that is a Plague Tale Requiem. Yes, that was going to be one of mine. So this was a game that, you know, Plague Tale Innocence was a surprise. I game that surprised me how much I enjoyed it. They're yeah. obviously being a pretty double A game. Uh, there were some things and some, and some quote unquote issues with it, if you would. But overall, my experience with it, the story that was told, uh, the adventure between the like the connections between the characters, I thought it was really well done. And I was really hoping we were going to get a sequel. And we are. Yeah. And it just looks like even more ridiculous and having all the rats going all over the place. Uh, I'm down for. So I was pleasantly surprised uh, that we're getting a Plague Tale Requiem. And hey, you know what? Ga- day one on Game Pass. Game so there pass. you go. <laughs> uh, the Game Pass show was, was bringing the heat. So a Plague Tale Requiem coming to 2022. Uh, next gen only. Yes, next gen only. Next gen exclusive game. So that's pretty exciting to see. All right, Josh. What is your next one? All right, it's Game Pass. <laughs> it's the okay. Microsoft conference. Um, I'm going to leave one game out, of course, um, but uh, the Game Pass highlights uh, really kind of, I, as a, as a, uh, surprised me. Uh, I don't think that they need to put all these games into Game Pass. And I'm glad that they are doing it. And I think I say it surprised me because I think every game, almost every game we saw, except for Battlefield 6 or 2042 was coming to Game Pass. Maybe save like one or two other games. Yeah, it was 27 of the 30, so it was uh, Battlefield, Far Cry, and Diablo 2. Yeah, or not. and I was really hoping Diablo 2 was coming to Game Pass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Back for Blood really blew me away. I, was, I really didn't think that the rumors were going to be true. That leaked. Uh, uh, I'm very excited for Back for Blood coming to Game Pass. Uh, and... Uh, Hades coming to Game Pass, coming to Xbox and PlayStation, but like, I mean, man, uh, I'm I'm more excited for Hades uh, to have people I know play it than I am to actually play it on my Xbox. I will, but it doesn't have um, save transfer, so I'm not really gonna play it. Play it. I'm right. just gonna play it for fun when I'm in like the living room. 
Uh, Plague Tale coming to Game Plus. Plague Tale in general shocked shocked me, and it looks incredible. And I really like where they're taking the story, or at least where they're leading us to believe the story is going. I couldn't tell if that was like a dream or not that she was having like a nightmare right. about it. But yeah, it seemed really interesting. Um, uh, the Ascent I still think looks really interesting. Age of Empires Four coming to Game Pass is huge for me. Um, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. Uh, I already knew it was coming, but I'm excited to try that. 12 Minutes, I didn't know was a Game Pass game, but oh, really? I'm, I'm excited to play it. And I yeah, <laughs> I guess it just just got off my radar. Um, Outer Worlds 2 made me want to go back and actually play through Outer Worlds, because I actually did really enjoy that, what I played. Um, and there's just so much for other people that aren't me to get excited about, like... I know people love Grounded. I know people love Yakuza. So, like, having Like a Dragon out is great. Uh, seeing that Starfield was... Finally, we know it's it's exclusive. Like, we didn't know. Uh, and Redfall, a game coming from Bethesda, exclusive to Xbox. So, like, there were some big announcements in there. But, uh, um, yeah, I just... I was really... In, my last one will be an Xbox thing. But I was really... Um, in a COVID year, I'm really impressed with what Microsoft brought to the table. However, what I will say is they didn't have tough competition. So mm-hmm. I think it's even more of a standout for them. Not to take that away from them, but I think for me, like I wasn't seeing a big competitor in oohs and ahs. Right. If Sony yeah, was there, I- it might be different. Yeah, I mean, Xbox had a really solid show. I don't think there's any... Um if fans are about that like it was a, it was a really nice show and it, they yeah. continued to um you know they they have it was funny because i was thinking back in the day i always talked about how netflix was or like that how, how xbox was like netflix and that like playstation was kind of like hbo uh, and i have to change that now because that is not really what it is uh realistically now uh you have xbox being like discovery hbo yeah, HBO Max and, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, PlayStation more almost being like Netflix because like, and this is gonna sound like I'm be- being dismissive or or mean, and I'm not, but like they're just a content creation company now. Yes, that yeah. is all they're doing. They the, Microsoft has become a content creation company, so they as many they don't they just want as much content on their service as they possibly can. Uh some of it's gonna be great. Some of it's probably not going to be, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. They just need content. Um, and, you know, when you have 23 plus, well, supposedly plus uh, first party studios, like you're going to have a lot of stuff to show. You know, you're going to you're and you're going to be it's probably I have to imagine that the cost for them to get something like a Plague Tale Requiem on the service probably was actually not all that expensive to them. No, they probably could have just bought the studio. Focus. You know, like, just like, bought Focus. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, because Focus Home is a, interactive as the publisher, I believe. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah uh, but I they probably could have been like, look, just put it, we'll give you this much to put it on, or we're just going to buy you out. You know, not really. But I, I just think from a from a standpoint for them, like, that game probably was very oh, inexpensive. It's a Sobo Studios. Yeah, they could have yeah. just bought a Sobo. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So I, I just think that they're just playing on a, a different they're just playing a different game. They're just playing a completely different game right now. 
Um, and we'll see what the long-term ramifications of that are. Uh, obviously, they have pretty lofty goals for their studios and what they want to put out. But, you know, they they are just in content acquisition. They're, they're just mm-hmm. trying to absorb and get as much content as they possibly can um, to get people to subscribe and stay subscribed to Game Pass. Period. Yeah. That is their goal. So, um, okay. I'm going to transition here pretty hardcore. Not really. But <laughs> to two broader topics. The first one, Josh, being the topic of leaks. Yes. <laughs> I think there were new things that I didn't know about that I was excited about was less than I like it was less than five for sure. Yeah. Like I, I you know, I can't even count how many things I was truly surprised about at E3. And for me, that's kind of one of the things that separates like a good conference from a great conference. Is that Nintendo or excuse me, Xbox had a really good conference. But there was nothing that I was like, was like, oh my goodness, I can't, like, I had no idea that was coming. Like, everything I knew about, for the most part. Um, and the things I didn't know about were, like, smaller indie or third-party partnerships or things that are coming like that. Which isn't bad, but when you think about, like, I, I'm sure the next thing you're going to talk about is yeah. Horizon 5, right? Yes, that is correct. We all, we all knew that game was coming. Yeah. Everyone knew that game was coming. And the yeah. game looks incredible. Not taking that away from it at all, but could you imagine, Josh, if you didn't know that game was even being developed and they're like, here's this game out in November, yeah. look how awesome it looks. Yeah. Like how different that message would be to to the audience. Now you're right. A lot of people maybe didn't know that game was coming because there's not as many people who are in tune with what's going on as like you and I are. But I just think that like the things that used to really make E3 pop and make me really excited about it, um, are, are really gone. A lot of that stuff just doesn't happen anymore because leaks are so prevalent. And I I was someone who last year was like, I don't think we need E3. And then we didn't have it. And I was like, well, this summer was weird. But now that we had E3 again this year, I don't really know that we need it. Like there was nothing better. What even was E3 though, really? Right. And maybe next year it'd be better <laughs> if it's a face like in person again and there's people in the theater. But like I, nothing, nothing when I watched all these conferences, there was nothing that made me be like, Oh my gosh, I had to watch this conference to yeah. have this experience. Right. Yep. Like, so I don't know. What are your thoughts though? Are, are we in a point where there's just too many leaks? Not like, do you care about the leaks at all? What are your thoughts? So this is what I'll say. It, it reminds me of, so I keep uh, promoting podcasts. I listen to, so I listen to a podcast called dumb people town. It's hosted by the Sklar brothers and Daniel Van Kirk. And they have a guest on and they always say, what do you think? Do you think that people are get, that we're getting dumber as people, or that we just have more? We have access to more dumb people, and <laughs> the problem is signal boosting. We have so much access; like the the leaks are the same. They're not more leaks. We just have more access to them mm-hmm. instead of just. Josh, who works at Bethesda, sitting in a bar, having a beer, having too many beers, and telling the guy he sits next to, Starfield's coming out, 11, 11, 22, that guy tweets it. It's not the same anymore. Because instead, now that guy says, oh, I was at the bar, and this guy, Josh from Bethesda, said this. And then three of his friends just have to say, no, that's not, there's no way that's true. And then the rumor stops. The leak stops. They don't believe it. So then they don't tell everybody else who tells everybody else. So all that we're just we're just seeing this evolution in in gossip and leaks is that if enough people believe what you say, just like okay, 
I don't know if we're going to hear about a Switch Pro tomorrow, but the internet has made it a thing. It might not even exist, but the fact that somebody said we're going to get a Switch Pro and enough people believe that person, it makes it real. In fact, we're at the point that it may have even made it into a real thing. <laughs> right. Where Nintendo was like, oh my God, 2 million people tweeted about a Switch Pro today. We have to make it now. Like, there, it's it, it, in how games get changed and how, like, Sonic doesn't look like the Sonic with teeth. Like, none of this would have happened. Like, we, if, in a world without the internet, Sonic the Hedgehog movie would have came out with a weird human hedgehog hybrid as the character and not the Sonic we know. It's just one of those things. I hate leaks. I hate them. I know that we have people on Discord who are either indifferent or they love them. I agree with you. It takes all excitement and joy out of things for me because I genuinely like to be surprised. It is what makes me want to watch things. If you went ahead and told me the ending of a movie or a big... If you told me today that The Sixth Sense had come out Friday and that 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 spoiler was the thing, I would mm-hmm. just wouldn't go see the movie at this point now. Because it, it just, for me, that just ruins it. Right. Well, and for me, and this is what's different for me, is like for movies, like I really don't care about spoilers because the seeing the like events unfold and seeing the acting and the, yeah. like all of that is meaningful to me still right but when it is a 30 a three minute demo on stage it's like well this isn't you know it just feels completely different yeah. to me yeah uh and obviously we're in the no more and people can say well don't look for like i almost never look for stuff like very very rarely like if i hear if i see something random i'm like is that really true i might go like looking to see what their source is yeah. but i don't actively seek out leaks like i'm not trying to find them but like just being by doing this podcast and talking to people like just in the culture like it's just something that i feel like we're exposed to all the time and like i said i know and I, one thing maybe by being a playstation fan because playstation leaks seem to happen like nintendo seems to be the least other yeah. than like oddly like right before a show like their whole thing will like leak. <laughs> yeah. but like I, or people just make it up and see how many people believe it um uh, but playstation then definitely is next but like xbox stuff i feel like leaks constantly always yeah always you know and i just gotta imagine that for those teams sometimes that's just gotta suck of, like I you put it. all this work into it and then it's just like oh yeah like and like I feel almost bad that I wasn't more stoked. Like even though I'm not a Forza person, like I almost feel bad that I'm not more stoked about it because they're like, look at how cool our, our skyboxes are. I'm like, yeah, those look really good that you've been working on for like three years. So cool, you know? Like I don't know. Like that's yeah. on me, but I don't know. I just wish there was a way that we could help support. Like, and I think part of it too is because the industry is so secretive, right? Like there is this culture of 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 trying to be as secret as we can in in gaming, and I think that in some ways has tuned my brain to be like no we're not supposed to know about this stuff until it ha- until they tell us whereas yes. if it was never that way i might be able to enjoy it more why sit down and watch a 90 minute press conference when you know that you're not going to be surprised <laughs> right right <laughs> okay so that was my 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 fourth topic josh what's your number five okay so since we've deflated my mclaren's tires let's talk about Forza <laughs> Horizon the game does look amazing though it <laughs> no, looks so I, good i know in fact, it looks impossibly good. And I, I think what I'm most excited for uh, is that this is going to be our f- first true next-gen Forza. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't remember if it's coming out for Xbox One also, but I don't think that that matters. Um, I I think, for me, I was still surprised, but with the release date. That's what surprised me the most. Um, and I, I'm so happy to be getting a Forza in November. I'm also so happy it's in Mexico, so we don't have to deal with a winter season. Um, I think it looks incredible. Uh, the rainforest itself, I watched it on a tablet at first, but I went back and watched it in 4K. And just being able to see literally the raindrops dropping in puddles as you're driving through them, uh, you can drive through a rainforest. And I watched um, an interview with the developers today as part of IGN Summer Game Fest where they talked about uh, you can drive into um, a tropical storm and see it like literally ripping branches off trees on one part of Mexico and you can drive all the way to the other end right into a sandstorm seemingly at the same time. Um, it uses real weather effects. So, uh, and they also use like the light boxes they use for the sky, the sky boxes was just actually filmed footage of the Mexico skies. Right. Um, they're going to have like these really nice, um, environments that are super open, but then you're also going to have these very close tight quarters, um, like, uh, uh, family house houses and like, um, uh, pavilion style, like town squares and all these things. Uh, and the amount of customization they're adding compared to the last is almost unbelievable. How much more they could say you can customize the color of your brake pads now. Uh, not that I'm going to be doing that, but like the fact that they can add that as an option because they're like one of our biggest. Um, wants from people was apparently to be able to customize your brake pads, so we added it. Um, I don't think if you didn't like Forza Four, this is Horizon Four. This is going to bring you over, but it's part of Game Pass, okay? Yep. So you have the access to try it. And taking taking Forza Horizon Four, which is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played, and making it look better, I think, is a feat. It also has like a volcano. It says it has the highest like elevation in any of the Forza games, and that says a lot based on the previous um, games. Uh, I'm really looking forward to some of the crazy challenges they have, like in Forza Horizon Four. You like race a hovercraft or a plane. Like I can't wait to see what they add. Um, they have they have drag races in this. Uh, I'm just really excited for it. Uh, I didn't know that we would see it. I thought we would, but I didn't know for sure based on how things have been going. Um, but uh, everything looks like it's on track and there looks like there's a lot of game done. So I don't think we see a delay either. So I'm really excited for it. Yeah, It is coming to Xbox One as well. Okay, that's good for Xbox One players. <clears throat> it's a, it's when you look at the page the uh forza horizon 5 page on like the xbox site yeah i think it only says it says there's like one little thing where it says platforms and it says xbox one um and at the very 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 bottom of the page it says that you can play it on xbox one but everything else is like optimized and built for xbox yes. series x and x like yeah. every, like everywhere <laughs> so you can play it on Xbox One, but they clearly don't want you to play it on right. Xbox One. And it looks beautiful. And, you know, I'm not a Forza person. Uh, I know that people tell me constantly that it's not a driving game. 
Uh, or it's not a racing game. You're right. It's a driving game, and I still am not a driving person. Like I just don't like driving in games in general. Yeah. Um, I almost quit playing uh, Mafia, the first Mafia, because there's like a place where you have to race in it, and like <laughs> there's like it's a required mission that you have to win this race. And I almost threw the controller and just walked away because I was like, I'm not doing this. I hate it. Um, but the game looked incredible. I thought it showed really, really well. They definitely have. Um, they, they've made a really incredible looking game and I'm sure a really incredible playing game that people are going to love. And I truly believe this is the most important game for them this fall, even above Halo. I don't disagree with you. I think that, that, that definitely there's a, there's a big point to that. It's it's unique to them for now because we yeah. haven't had a Gran Turismo, right? And Need for Speed has always been kind of a middling racing game right? where it's arguably the best racing game in the past five years. How yeah. long is a Gran Turismo? 10 years. <laughs> I, you know, and are maybe more people going to play Halo because especially it's free to play? Sure. Oh, for but sure. But I think yeah. I, I still think this is the most important game because this is them showing again that there is a game genre that they make the best game in. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You know, and there, and there's no argument about that. So that getting that out, having people experience and play that, especially on their new consoles for. The, those people who do that, I think, is going to be really, really important for them, um, and really and really help drive home, like you know, how powerful the X is and all that. Uh, stuff. Sixty frames, so. ray tracing. I can't wait. I mean, sixty <laughs> frames, whatever. I wanted my racing games at one twenty. I can do it at one twenty. <laughs> I can do it at one twenty on my TV. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think it supports one twenty. It better. They better get back to the. They better fix it. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't think it does. Well, I'm gonna email them tonight. Playground games. Get, get yeah, your stuff on the together. thing it says 4K Ultra HD, 60 frames per second, and ray tracing. Okay, I'm okay with that. 60 Maybe frames and ray tracing. Mode. There might be. There might yeah. be. I can't well, yeah, 60 not. frames and ray tracing is rare now because we're still getting 30 in ray tracing. So 16 right. ray is good. Cool. So, That's my all right. last topic. So my last one, I don't know how long or short this is going to go, and I know we still have some listener questions. We're like, so. we should do a short episode. <laughs> I know, right? Actually, you Here's, know what? It, we're gonna put Winter Gamer's question for next week because it's a it's an in depth question. It is an in depth question. I think it actually could just be a topic all on so yeah. Um, so we're gonna get to you next week, Winter yes. Gamer. We promise. Okay, Josh, because I think this I, this might take five minutes or f- fifty seconds or five minutes. I don't know. <laughs> I think E three would be better if we completely got rid of third party showcases. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Like because... I don't think we need a Ubisoft show. We don't need a Square Enix show. We, I really, truly believe that we don't need those things. Like, if some of the indie things want to happen, that's fine. But these th- bigger third-party publishers, for basically every single one of your games, you have a marketing deal with one of the platform holders. Just show yes. your stuff at their thing. I, I Like, why do we have to see Far Cry 6, like, three times this weekend? Too many times. Yeah, I agreed. Even if you're excited for that game, like, we, we saw it a ton. I even saw a thing I didn't want to see. I was like, I don't want to see this about the story. Yeah, I don't want to know this is happening. Or it's you, just... or you don't put your content out everywhere, also, and you just right. limit it to your conference. Yeah, I just. Uh, I maybe... agree. Okay, I agree. But you can also do like we live in a world where you can just do a presentation any other time. Yeah. You could do it on YouTube or Twitch, whenever you want. You don't this. We live in a world where I, I think. If I'm going to take it the next step, the E3 is irrelevant in the fact that we now know, based on um, State of Plays, Xbox Insider, Nintendo Directs, that if you want to designate a date and a time to show off what you're doing, everyone will watch 
regardless of the time of the year it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And yeah, I just I just don't think they had enough to show. And I, and that's okay. Then just don't show something. Yeah. Like don't the Ubisoft presentation was almost 30, 20 minutes easier longer than it should have been. The the Square Enix one was 40 minute presentation that should have been 20 if and, that. And the EA one's over a month away from today. Right. You know, I just <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So I I really do and I think that's part of the reason that in some ways the Xbox show was such a bright spot. Is because when you have that much to show, you can see how awesome a conference can be. But yeah. there's so few groups that can do that. Xbox can do that. PlayStation can do that. Nintendo can do that. And then the company that has more studios than everyone, Coke, their yeah. show was apparently horrible. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> it was the worst thing I've seen in a long time. I mean, I just I don't understand. And... Maybe for it helps investors feel good. I know it's exciting, but how I almost never, for all the E3s we've done this for, Josh, it's been a lot of them. After third-party showcases, almost always, at best, our response is that was fine. Right, right. So why are we still doing them? I just really think we should get away from them, personally. I just yeah. don't think they add that much. But Okay, that w- those were my takeaways. Any final thoughts, Josh, about E3 this year? No, I mean, we're a tradition, right? I'm still happy we get this. We're used yeah. to this tradition. Um, so I'm happy to see this stuff. But but I also agree with you. If they put, space it out throughout the year, I'm also okay with just having a state of play and then the next month an Xbox Insider and be happy. And, you know, maybe admittedly my feelings on this are less good because I didn't have a PlayStation event to look for. Sure. Which sure. supposedly we're getting somewhere in the next four weeks, but we'll see. Yeah. Um. But I, I do think that probably, though, like I said, I really enjoyed Xbox show. I thought they showed great games. Like, I, I, I'm excited about what I get to play there. Like, I, I don't think it was bad at all. Um. I just never really had a wow moment yeah. so far. So, yep. but maybe uh, Nintendo will bring that tomorrow. Speaking of which, let's move on to predictions for, uh, we're just going to do these specifically for the Nintendo Direct tomorrow because obviously, like I okay. said, we're recording Monday night. I'm going to jump in and edit right after this, and it'll be posted Tuesday morning. So we don't get to cover Monday like we usually would. But, Josh, before you do your prediction, yes. I, I just want to read you. What's that? I know, it's in but I'm going to give you the option to change it because okay. I'm going to read you a tweet that happened uh, not all that long ago, about an hour ago. Okay. From one Alana Pierce. Uh-oh. Alana says, quote, if what I'm hearing is true... Calm your expectations for the Nintendo Direct tomorrow. It sounds like so long as you don't go in super hyped or expecting huge announcements, you'll have a good time. That's so like, with that, Josh. <laughs> it's I usually like direct. Alana because she's very forward. That's the most generic thing she could ever say. I know. It's a 40-minute Direct that supposedly is mostly focusing on software coming out this year. That's yeah. kind of what Nintendo's tweets have said. Yeah. So with that, Josh, and Alana's tweet, yeah. what is your prediction for the Nintendo Direct? So I still I'm still sticking to my my thing because the reason why I say this is because she's talking specifically to 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 two types of people people who think a Switch Pro is going to get announced tomorrow and people uh-huh. who think Breath of the Wild two is coming out this year and none neither of those things are happening. Okay. Uh, Breath of the Wild two will end the direct with a very very quick glimpse at the game and a 2022. I'm just like Q4 2022 or some like just 2022. Um, there's no way it comes out this year. I don't think. So my prediction is we see Breath of the Wild 2 very briefly and we get a date of 2022. 
It's a good prediction. I think also, Metroid Prime 4 is not going to be there. I hope I'm not stealing yours. <laughs> no, you're not at all. Um, I don't. I was struggling with this because I was like, okay, we, I want to make it specifically about the Nintendo Direct, and I didn't want to make it too over the top, but I, I wanted to also make it, um, you know, a reasonable prediction. Yeah. I, I think what is going to happen is that there is going to be the resurrection of a well-liked but not loved franchise. So there's going to be a, a franchise we haven't seen, I'm going to say in at least 10 years, okay. is going to come back, and people are going to be like, that's nice, but that's it. Like They're not going to be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Like There's just going to be something fun, and people are going to be like, oh, that's nice, cool. But you're talking about Nintendo fans, so of course they're going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe it. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. So I, I do think there is going to be something coming back. I think they're going to be thinking of back. Kid Icarus? Something kind of, yeah, maybe Kid Icarus. I also forgot I watched the Intellivision thing today, too. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that was pretty disappointing. So, yeah. So, that's what I think. I think we're going to get some something. Something's coming back. But, like I said, not something over the top. And, like, it might even be one of those things that newer gamers, like, won't know. Yeah. Like, the reference even. So, yep. That, like, that level of thing. So, all right. With that, then, we are going to move on to our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other thing that we're currently into that is helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation? So my recommendation is Loki on Disney+. Plus. Um, I know that might seem like a no-brainer, as I love all the, the Marvel MCU stuff, but I really think Loki is something special. It's very funny. Um, but it's also br- trying to make you like a villain, and I kind of appreciate that for what it is. And the first episode really um, throws you into a whole different world you didn't even know existed in the Marvel Universe, and I love it for that as well. Um, so I say check it out. It comes out on Wednesdays, so actually you can get your middle-of-the-week fix for Loki. Comes uh, so, so yeah, check out Loki on Disney+. Plus. Uh, my recommendation is actually the exact same thing. Nice. We we watched Loki. We actually waited till Friday to watch it. And, you know, obviously WandaVision got props for doing things pretty differently. I think Loki, from a like production standpoint, uh, set design, costuming, like all that stuff, is just super unique and different and, and doing things in its own way. And especially for people who have watched all of the Marvel movies and kind of been connected with that, I think there's going to be a lot of nice... Um, homages and payoffs for those folks Um, i think i think it really seems to be um, a way to build up this character but also a really a way to um, give something to fans who've been well connected to what they've been doing and and we'll see if that continues to play out maybe it won't Um, but overall i'm really liking what they're doing with it really looking forward to seeing where the show is going Um, and i think it definitely has a lot of potential even compared uh, to the previous television shows they've done so really excited about loki over on disney plus nice Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji on all the social media, so please feel free to do the same. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone Board With Video Games feed. You can find me 
all over the place at why so serious s-i-r-r-i-u-s literally just type it in and see what comes up uh and maybe we'll connect kyle where can people find you so you can find me in all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Stop gaming.